like to talk and read all things books and mystery. Funny stories. The characters of youth always tend to be a sleuth. The Hardy Boys will do. Don't forget Nancy Drew. It's a clue. Hello, fellow sleuths. I'm Kelly. And I'm Karen. Welcome to It's a Clue, a faux crime comedy podcast for billionaire heiresses enmeshed in love triangles. Ah, a specific podcast. Indeed. It's a specific niche of billionaire heiresses. It is. A very, very targeted demographic. (laughs) Uh, Kelly, up for discussion this week. So excited. The, the Hawthorne Legacy, which is the sequel to The Inheritance Games, which we also read on this podcast. Yeah. Can you, like, I am smiling so hard right now. I, you can probably hear it my voice. Like, I can. I'm so excited can. to talk about this book. I am too. I love this book so much. I love the first book so much. Um, I do have an opening thought to ponder. As we do. And this, the reason, I, the reason I asked this question will become clear to people later in the episode, but... <clears throat> How many times, Kelly, mm-hmm. would you personally have to get kidnapped or attacked Zero. or, like, spied on via a secret tunnel <laughs> in your home before you permanently sealed it shut? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, I it's it's interesting because I would say an unlimited number of times if it were accessed by, like, a pull-down candlestick, which I... I'm actively looking for a contractor to just to install into my house. Like, <laughs> I, I want to open something by pulling down a candlestick. It doesn't have to be a hidden passage. Just like you know, my microwave. Um, <laughs> but awesome. The, but the tipping point for me would be dead rattlesnake. So the second that enters into the picture, no longer worth it. Okay. Okay. Also, I mean, in Avery's defense, without getting too into detail. Frequently on the other side of that pull-down candlestick passageway, it's been a 50-50 toss-up between exceptionally hot guy wanting to make out with me and danger. Murderer. (laughs) (laughs) That is the wild card, because I was like, why have they not sealed this passage shut? Bad things keep happening. But then I was like, oh, but then hot boys appear. It's true. It's, it's a hard a hard call. <laughs> I was getting ready to say it's a gamble worth taking, and then I immediately thought a very risky gamble. On brand for the book. Very on brand. Very nailed womp it. Yeah. Well, thank you for say every thought out loud, Kelly. Just you sh- hold some you should. <laughs> I also have to tell you, I think there is like a crow somewhere. It's very near talk, where I'm talk sitting. About on brand. Yes, there is a loud, it's definitely a crow, like, like on the roof by my window. So there's going to be some inadvertent spooky background noise, That's perhaps. That's perfect. <laughs> I'm totally game for that. So Excellent. Uh, well, well, Karen, what yes. have you been doing this week? Oh my gosh, nothing. <laughs> Lies. I don't believe that at all. No, I really haven't been doing much of anything. Um, Did you do some weaving? I did do I did do a little weaving. I did some yes. how's exercising. My, how's my gift coming along? It is coming along beautifully, actually. Yeah. It like you're actively making me something. I was just yes. I was just joking. No, I am. I am actively making you something. It's not the most exciting thing you're ever going to receive, but it is a functional 
utilitarian object, which I think is kind of that's extremely what, exciting. What weaving is limited to primarily. <laughs> well, I mean, you're never going to be able to make like a 3D replica of like the upside down on a loom. I'm, so I'm not sort of that. Not, maybe a tapestry at some point if I get really good at this, but unlikely. <laughs> Um, I, I'm very flattered that you're that you're looming me something. I am, and it's been perfect weather for that. It's gray. Yes. It is so chilly here. It is. It's got that autumnal bite in the air. Um, I have mm, busted out a, my. There's a phrase. Thank that you. Autumnal bite. You know what I'm talking about. Everyone uh, knows oh, what I'm talking about. Of course I do. About. I just like little, the way you phrased it. A little something mm, in the air when you step yeah. outside. You're like, oh, it's yeah. happening. It's uh, just like I've, the. The taste of pumpkin spice on your lips and the cacawing of a crow in the background. A little flickering jack-o'-lantern to light your way. <laughs> mm. I I have put up... Okay, so the la- I don't know if they have them this year, but the last couple of years, Target has had... I mean, Target is Mecca. I know it's so, like, cliche to talk about it. No, like, it's not. I love Target. <laughs> Halloween stuff. Like, yes. But, you know. So anyway, the last couple of years, they've had these, like, little plastic jack-o'-lanterns like they can fit in the palm of your hand cute for like i don't know five bucks something like that and and you put a couple triple a batteries in them and they light up and so they're adorable and i have several of them in my house i finally was like like i cracked the seal on the halloween decorations on october 1st you know at the stroke of midnight on october (laughs) i was like let the halloween decorations rise from the basement it's time yes and um but so the cat is just actively walking through the house, knocking them off of whatever ledge I have put them on. And I knew like it. making like intense eye contact with me while he does it. Like, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it's I, not I, an accident. It's... No. No, it's so <laughs> deliberate. And I'll be like, Ollie, stop it. And he'll stop. And then he'll like, as he makes eye contact, he'll like lift his paw 20 degrees and just oh, smack yep. it. I'm like... We can't have nice things in my house. Between the cat and the ghost. The ghost or the railroad tycoon that's haunting you out of your home. Yeah. We just can't have nice things. So You're in a a tough spot, Kelly. It's true. Well, speaking of nice things, I've gotten out my fall uniform. I don't know if you know about this. I, two years ago, found my dream sweater. And then I just bought it in five different colors. And they look different enough that... If you didn't know, I don't think you would know I'm truly, for the next three months, going to be wearing the same shirt every day. <laughs> I, Karen, it's so funny you say that because I, too, have a fall uniform. And it used to be, like, I when I was actually working in an office, you know, the stroke of 75 degrees, which is still warm, but I was, like, close enough, I would be in black <laughs> tights and like a, like a fall dress. Yeah. And they were typically, I have a couple of really cute like plaid long sleeve dresses. And so I had like four or five dresses and I would pretty much just kind of rotate them. Like it was yeah. just like my adult Catholic uniform. school uniform. Yep. Now that I work from home and rarely have to appear on a Zoom call, um, <laughs> I'm in jeans and a hoodie or other sweatshirt all day long so i like i 
made a small work wardrobe investment this week that I think I can completely write off against taxes. Um, <laughs> from Torrid, I got myself a Goonies Never Say Die sweatshirt to add to oh, my collection. Yes, you did. I got, I got like, awesome. I, I just literally bought sweatshirts. Perfect. Yeah, it's the best. I'm also, I'm just distressed that you. Life. I'm distressed that you put jeans on every day <laughs> to work from home. You that's know, that's I, intense. <laughs> when the pandemic started and we moved into work from home, I I just gave myself like one rule, and my rule was I had to put on. I had hard to change pants. out of hard pants. Like I had to put on hard <laughs> pants. Like <laughs> that's the exact right way to describe it. Like something with a zipper. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I yep. was like, or else this could really go downhill very quickly into just like literally wearing the same pair of pajamas seven days straight. And I did not feel like that would be good. Good for me. <laughs> Like, like the spiral staircase, the spiral slide into like insanity would would start going really, really fast. So my one rule was you have to put on hard pants every day. And so I do. I'm so proud of you. I don't do that. I wear my sweatpants joggers every day. I do my so rule. Funny. I have to take a I have to take a shower every morning to like oh, wake myself I don't do up. That so at all. <laughs> no, 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 I have I have no. Oh, I have a question. Yes. That just reminded me. I don't know why. Of something I need to ask you on this podcast to hold myself accountable. Bef- and, and then I want to hear all about your week. I'm sorry I'm talking so much. but No, I've been talking about me. I, have a, I had a philosophical Ooh. question for myself last night. And I, I think I'm going to adopt a weird reading strategy for 2022, other than what we're reading for this podcast. And I need you to talk me through this. I have a lot of books in this house that I have not read. Um, I really have taken supporting my local bookstore very seriously. <laughs> and I have a lot of a lot of backlist in the house, shall you, we say? You like adopted a whale, and the whale was your indie bookstore. Indeed, they're your and endangered animal. Yes, and I am single handedly doing everything I can to keep them alive. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was thinking, and this is going to be very hard for me, but I feel like in 2022, all I read this year was like new stuff, like hot new releases. And I feel like mm-hmm. I'm on the cutting edge, like I know what's going on, but this is not sustainable. So I think in 2022, I'm going to commit myself to reading only things that I own already and try to get through my backlist. Is that insane I or should I try to do it? I think that's crazy. <laughs> I do too, but I feel like I have Karen, to. I, listen. I see your monthly Instagram posts of everything you've read in a month. And aside from the hand, like, I mean, you read like 12 to 15 books a month, it seems like. like Is that nine. about accurate? I read about nine a month. I think you could maybe limit yourself to, I think you need to, I, I, I think going like cold turkey on buying new books is a terrible idea it might kill me i, I might not survive that i mean lifestyle like still, change. <laughs> give yourself a budget you know say like you can buy you know one a month and otherwise okay. everything else needs to be off your bookshelf okay or, or from the library or from the library yeah the library might think i died if they didn't see me every weekend that's true <laughs> I, I mean there would be a missing poster 
<laughs> have you seen this girl? Also, she has 97 books checked out and we'd love to get them back. Please, please tell her. Please tell her to show up as soon as possible. We have a book shortage. <laughs> All right. That, that feels more correct thank you for talking me through that i was yeah, feeling I, like I think really just, you know, extreme it's but... one or two a month like but i mean don't don't cut all of the joy out of your life i mean <laughs> that's a really good point i need to have something to live for <laughs> uh, uh well so that's were, were you like on the bench this week at um crossfit just like pouring shots for your brethren because of your ankle or what you know, I actually wasn't. My foot is a lot better. I mean, it looks terrible, but it doesn't hurt. It's slowly turned black, and I mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it looks like I've been bitten by a zombie, but it actually doesn't hurt anymore. I did, however, take it easy. I just I didn't, didn't do anything running related or jumping. I just did some, like, gentle weightlifting like one does. Um, so I think I'm on... some heavy things and put them back down again. Yeah, just, you know, pick it up and put it down. It's no, no problemo. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I, I think I'm back in the game. Um, and I've, I've learned some things about how to not get benched this specific wow. way again. <laughs> how, how, I mean, what, please share your wisdom with me. Truly, just like watch where you're going. <laughs> ah, yes. Mm-hmm. I was a, just a classic tale. A tale singing, of time. singing in the breeze and looking around and not paying attention where I was putting my feet. You were, and like you were singing in the breeze, and you, in your mind's eye, you were smiting all those who mocked you in middle school, and you know you were just exactly. Distracted. And then I paid a price. So just watch where you put your feet would be my only advice. Karma roll, rose up from the sidewalk like Voldemort and just bitch right in the ankle. Grabbed me, pulled me down. <laughs> Icy cold fingers wrapped around my leg. Anyway, um, how are you? What are you up to? I know that you've been doing some more pottery. I think you're very good at it. What is what's happening? Okay, so in my in my in the evolution of my pottery journey, um, <laughs> everyone's like, we don't care. Um, we all care. We want to know. I I glazed this week. So this this nice. was the seventh and final week in my class. And <gasps> our seventh week, like, for six weeks, we've been trying to make something so that on week seven, we could glaze whatever we made. <laughs> um, I see. <laughs> so, yeah, I it was so funny, too. So I actually really like these women I'm in class with. One of them is my friend, and we went, like, we did this together, but then we've met some other cool cool gals. So, anyway, like, everybody's pulling their stuff out that, like, they have to glaze in week seven. And, like, they all have, like, a metric boatload of ceramic items to glaze. That's and okay. That's okay. No, it's, it's not fine. A, I had six, and I was very proud of my six. Six is um, awesome. I was very proud because at one point, like two weeks ago, I was like, I'm going to have nothing to glaze. Can I just like, like roll a snake of clay up and, you know, paint that, you know? Yes. Yes, you Um, can. So anyway, we'll see what comes out of the kiln next week. And, but then Sherry and I signed up to do it again, as did most of the other gals in my class. So we're going to just like do the same class again and, you know, keep trying to get better. So Kelly, I love this journey for you. As they, say, as they as say, they say in Shit's Creek. Creek. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love this journey for you. Um, yes, as do I. So I've been doing that. And then in other news, heed me, 
talking about books to read. Okay. I finished The Vanishing Stair this morning, which is the second in the Truly Devious series. So we read, we did Truly Devious for the podcast a couple weeks ago. And Maureen Johnson, I think, is the author. Yes, that's right. Um, So I think I'm saying this right. There's three in the Truly Devious series, and then there's a fourth that's kind of in the series, but I think it's different characters or something like that, but it somehow leads tied in. Um, So anyway, the second one I may have liked better than the first one. Like, it was really, really good. Oh, cool. Uh, So I finished that at like 1130 this morning. It's a Sunday, of course. And I had borrowed it from the library right down the the street from me, which I typically walk to. It's pouring down rain. And I'm like, well, whatever. The library won't be open on a Sunday anyway. But let me just check. And they opened at one o'clock. So I ran down there at one o'clock and got the next one. I can't wait to start it. So like if anybody read Truly Devious and like Truly Devious and has not moved on to the next one. Do not wait. Okay. Quit tarrying. It's very, very good. I shan't. I shan't mm-hmm. tarry. I have it. I, I got the second book oh, after we read the go. first one. I shall yes. start it this evening. Yes. I think you will enjoy it. Oh, I can't wait. I am so here for a YA trilogy oh, or whatever too. right now. It is, it is filling my cup. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, like, I'm in full on, like, leaning into spooky season. Oh yeah, same. Oh, also, we have not what? talked about this yet. Do you are you a Dexter fan? Oh, girl. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So I am. <laughs> what's what's happening? <laughs> I am doing a full like rewatch of that series in preparation for the new series coming out. Oh, I cannot believe we get more Dexter, and we. Ugh. We were left in a bad spot, so mm. we need we needed more text. Listen, let's not talk about things that hurt us. <laughs> we're here for love and light, but that's true. Uh, yeah, I was like that final <laughs> the season finale happened. Series finale happened. And I was like, offense, like I am so rude, offended. It was very rude yes. of them. <laughs> Ugh. But anyway. Yeah, but maybe that so, was the plan all along: is that we would get more, and it will re- I rectify. I, I do not think that was the plan all along. <laughs> <laughs> but I think You're right. enough people said like someone needs to right this horrible wrong that was done, and somebody yep. went like, "Yeah, you're right." Okay, okay. Oh, I need to do that. I need to rewatch it because it's been so long mm-hmm. since I did. So the other one, I don't know if you ever got into this or not, but like, did did you ever get into Veronica Mars? I have never watched Veronica Karen. Mars. Oh my god, please. Stop. Oh. I'm clutching <laughs> my pearls right now. Like uh you have got to watch that show. It is it is probably one of my all-time favorite shows. And it is like okay. fully on brand with the show with everything we're talking about right now, like badass female detective. Love. PI. Yeah, it's amazing. Is that it's amazing? Um Yes, Kristen Bell. Kristen, I love her. I think she is the cutest and She's the best. Amazing. She cool. Amazing. I'm in. Yeah. Sold. And like it's I mean, it's we've got love triangles. We've got oh, like perfect. very intense serious situations happening, full of danger and intrigue. Like it's fantastic. So, well, now my my evening is booked. I'm going to watch Veronica Mars and start the next truly devious book. <laughs> All at the same time. Well, 
sister, I guess it is time that we should discuss the book we read this week. (laughs) Yeah, like now that we are 20 minutes into the show. um, Oops. (laughs) We'll just stop our typical catch-up phone call that we normally do after this. That we just live broadcast. We just decided to record this week, I suppose. Um, Yeah, so, uh, all right. So typically here I would do kind of like a book intro, but... I kind of gave y'all my best stuff back when we did the inheritance games, which was episode 14. So yes, like if you haven't listened to inheritance games yet, I would start there. Um, but it's great. It's so good. I mean, and it, you definitely need to read that one first. I mean, obviously read them in order, but um, so we kind of talked a lot about, you know, the author and everything and, and the intro to that one. But this book is so new. It just came out like what, two or three weeks ago. September seventh was the yeah. was the day it dropped, as the young folks say, as the as the, as the youth say. Um, yeah. I think so I think they say that. Do they still say that now, or they, or is it like all in air quotes with like an intense eye roll? That's like probably from like they're like we haven't said that since two thousand and seven, Karen. Yeah, like, oh, that's that's something a geriatric millennial would say. Oh, mm. someone born in the late nineteen hundreds. I told mom that yesterday, and I was like. I really don't even know how to react to this information, but they're referring it to the late, as, to the late 1900s. She was like, I, <laughs> she started laughing so hard. I'm like, it's really not funny. Like, <laughs> well, for her, that would mean, we'll just start saying she was born at the turn of the century. <laughs> right? Like, oh my God. I'm going to start referring to our parents as mid-century modern. Um, That's cute. I like it. Oh okay. God. The book. I'm sorry. I took my, us down a, a winding I'm garden like path. crying. Um, so anyway, because it's so new, there's not like a ton of discussion out there about it, um, which is fine. Like whatever. There is um, now our podcast. Here we go. Hey, you go. <laughs> I mean, there's there's some individual reviews on you know websites and blogs and Goodreads and stuff like that, but there's not like you know the the authoritative. There's no Wikipedia article on it. Okay, <laughs> um, which is my compendium of knowledge generally for, for this section. Um, so, but to recap, this is the second of it is going to be three books in the Inheritance yes. Game series. So, thank God, thank God. Um, Jennifer Lynn Barnes is the author, and she tweeted in August of twenty one, so about a month before this book, the the Hawthorne Legacy came out, that the third is going to be called the Final Gambit. Ooh, and the teaser is, and quote, new players emerge. Avery Graham's life and fortune are on the line, and all of the re- all of readers' burning questions are answered. And okay. Yeah, and it's going to come out in the fall of 2022. So to that, I say oh, off. That's mean, a I'm year away. But yeah, we have to wait a year. Um, I, we'll have to read both of these again before yes. that comes out. I won't remember anything. But um, so that being said, Karen, this week I propose that we discuss our favorite parts, like we typically do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As well as our burning questions that need to be answered in book three. Oh, very smart. And I do have mm-hmm. some burning questions. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm in. I'm game. Perfect. Well, let's do the super fast plot overview, which thank you, Kelly, for writing it. Yeah, it's not and... going to be super fast, but I did my best. You did an awesome job. And thank you. as always, for Super Sleuth Week, I will say to you, our listeners, spoilers are coming. So many spoilers (laughs) are about to happen. If you don't want this book to be ruined for you and you want to read it first, you should stop listening immediately. (laughs) That was a very modern melody, Karen. 
Thank you. It's uh, <laughs> abstract. <laughs> it's definitely an abstract little ditty, but I like it. Um, okay. All right. right going to crack my neck. Here we go. At the end of the Inheritance Games, we learn that Toby Hawthorne, Tobias's son, believed to have been killed in a fire many decades earlier, is actually alive. Avery, Jameson, and Xander, working at times together and at others independently, set out to try to find Toby in spite of Grayson's warnings for them to stop. Grayson reminds them that Toby's existence could be dangerous for Avery, since Toby might be a legitimate heir to the fortune, and if Avery loses the fortune, she loses her security detail. No shock, everyone ignores Grayson. We also learn that Avery is only allowed to be away from the Hawthorne estate for three nights a month or she will forfeit the inheritance. Avery and co. break down a literal wall that was built around Toby's wing of the mansion to investigate. In it, they find clues that show Toby was very angry with his father after learning he had been secretly adopted. His real mother was the unwed teen daughter of the Laughlins, who were the lifelong caretakers of the Hawthorne estate. Avery realizes that Toby's handwriting matches the writing used to sign her birth certificate. The name listed was Ricky Graham's, but the handwriting was Toby's. An earlier DNA test proved she wasn't related to the Hawthorns, but since Toby was adopted, she realizes she could be Toby's daughter and the Laughlin's granddaughter. Avery's search for Toby intensifies with this idea even after receiving a message from Toby to quit looking for him. Following the clues in Toby's room, Avery, Jameson, and Xander discover that Tobias had also left games for his daughters to play with clues and the items they inherited in the will. A ring for Zara, and a compass to help Skye find True North. These clues eventually lead to a letter in invisible ink from Tobias that tells his daughter he disinherited them because he loved them and didn't want his shady business dealings to taint their lives. Clues eventually lead to the following story. We learn that Toby was an addict who, at a rehab facility, meets two other boys, one of whom was the nephew of a guy named Sheffield Grayson, aka Grayson's father. Toby and his friends go to party at Tobias's island house at Rockaway Watch. Kaylee Rooney, presumably their drug dealer, comes along. Toby decided to burn down the house because his dad loved it, so he doused the house in an accelerant and opened all the gas lines. The kids planned to watch the house burn from a boat, but a lightning strike hit and blew up the house, killing everyone except Toby. Toby was thrown into the water, and a fisherman named Jackson pulled him out. A local woman, Hannah Rooney, who is also Kaylee's sister, and eventually we find out to be Avery's mother, helped to nurse T Toby back to health. At first, he suffers from amnesia, but Hannah knows who he is and knows he is responsible for her sister Kaylee's death. In spite of this, the two fall in love. When Toby's memory comes back, he leaves in the middle of the night, determined not to drag the love of his life down by his own mistakes. Avery discovers that the blank postcards of her mother's that she cherishes aren't blank. They are love letters written to Hannah from Toby in invisible ink. He tells Hannah to go to Jackson if she ever needs help. Avery travels to Rockaway Beach and finds Jackson. He gives her a letter from Toby to Hannah, along with a small metal disc with holes in it. As Avery goes to board her private jet to go back home, the jet explodes. Avery is critically wounded, but brought back to the Hawthorne estate for treatment so she doesn't lose the inheritance. She is informed by her attorney that a DNA test has been conducted and Ricky Grams is her biological father and that he and Skye were behind the explosion. Both of them are in prison, and she's safe. 
Once Avery has recovered enough to return to her own room, she receives a midnight visitor from Thea through a secret passageway. Thea asks her to come with her. As soon as Avery steps into the passage, she is attacked and kidnapped. Holding Avery prisoner is Sheffield Grayson, who has realized Toby is still alive and is using Avery to lure him out of hiding so he can exact revenge for his nephew's death. Sheffield has been working with Melly, a housekeeper, and her brother, who is on Avery's security team. The two of them are also trying to find Toby, but for different reasons. They have a little sister, Eve, who is Toby's biological daughter from a fling he had as a teenager. The three of them were behind the bombing and various other scare tactics throughout the book. As designed, Toby arrives to try to save Avery. He promises Melly he will take care of her sister. He tells Avery that he was the one that delivered her when Hannah couldn't get to a hospital to give birth, and that he loves her like his own daughter. When Melly realizes Sheffield intends to kill Avery and Toby, she shoots and kills Sheffield. Avery's security team arrives. Toby leaves, taking the small metal disc with him, and the security team will clean up the crime. Avery returns home and has now been fully emancipated. She decides to quit being used as a tool in the Hawthorne games. She's ready to make some big moves of her own. The first of which appears to be choosing Jameson over Grayson as a makeout buddy. The end. Oh, so good. Mm. So good. Well, before we uh, dive into what I'm sure will be an interesting discussion of this book, Karen, overall impressions, general thoughts and musings? I have some. (laughs) (laughs) And I will share them now. (laughs) Okay. So I already said this today. I have said it a million times on this podcast. I love YA. in all the best. in, In all of its forms. And I love a love triangle i don't care how many times we've done it i i don't care i'm I don't an adult care who knows it i don't care if it's cool or not cool to love a love triangle i do so let's just say who I deeply doesn't enjoy- love a love triangle i mean i just it's so good every ugh. time um this book i loved it i will say that this book did trend a little nancy drew for me in that there were some <laughs> slightly perhaps overcomplicated plot lines that I had to pause and say like, what? <laughs> like what's going on now? A few <laughs> times. <laughs> what? Uh, but it did all come together in the end. It made sense. I was appeased. I, I really, I really loved it. What did you think? I loved it. Couldn't put it down. Here yes! for it. Ready for the next one. <laughs> I, I will say that <clears throat> I, well, don't get me wrong. I am thrilled. There is going to be a third one. Oh Yeah here totally here for it also cannot wait for the amazon prime show to start which i don't know when but it's slated to be happening um oh yes i did feel like is the first one ended on a a real cliffhanger it did this one had a bow on it i felt like i i was like i actually went and looked up again like is there really going to be a third book because it felt kind of like it had come to its natural conclusion. I thought so too. I I had somehow convinced myself that there were only going to be two of these books. Yeah. And I was like, that makes sense after I got to the end. It, it does make sense. It could have ended here. But we. I realized I do have a lot of unanswered questions. For sure. So, yeah. Okay. So definitely a book three and a yeah. TV show. Oh. I can't wait. I need that to happen sooner than later. Oh, I know. I know. Um. I- well... 
We're going to talk about our favorite parts, yeah. of which there are clearly many. Yeah. Uh, Kelly, I think do you, you wanna... should start. You want me to start? I do want you to start. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I think uh, one of my favorite parts is that there is a poem in this book. But mm. zooming out from the poem briefly, this book was very treasure hunty. Mm, yes, it was. The first book was treasure hunty as well, but this had even more of a treasure hunt aspect in that, to your point, we were going to like different locations. We're flying around the world. We're in private jets. We're going to interview people in a way that is very interesting. Um, We have to break into a sealed up wing of the house to like unearth clues that have never been touched. Um, I love that part. I love that part. Like that, that whole thing of breaking into Toby's wing was my favorite part of the whole book. Really? Yeah. Um, Because it was, okay, how do I describe this? Because it was walled up, you know that nothing has been disturbed. So like, yes, it's almost like sarcophagus feeling. Do you know what I mean? Like artifact fine, you know? Yeah. If it had just been standing open the whole time and they could have just like walked in, you know, or, you know, anybody had been out of there in and out of there or somebody had been you know using it as their you know work from home study or whatever like it loses <laughs> some of that um i don't know it just like loses some of the um like preservation of it and, yeah it's preserved yeah. in time totally yeah like jurassic park it's like the yes. little the bug in the amber <laughs> it's exactly like that that's correct so yeah i love that like feeling of going into a, a museum and which, you know, let's be honest, is not all that different from how your childhood bedroom is, so. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> the velvet ropes are still up. Everyone can admire from a distance, but yes. do not touch. <laughs> do not touch. Ma'am, ma'am, please sneeze into your elbow. Well, and so the, my favorite thing that they find, I mean, they find all kinds of stuff in this room. Like, he has written all over the walls with, like, black light ink. And mm. that is, like, so creepy and cool that, like, gives them all of this insight about his adoption and his relationship. I loved this poem that they find in his room. It is a poem by William Blake. Mm-hmm. And I love William Blake's poetry. Um, yeah. I had never read this one. Or if I had, I'd forgotten. Yeah. And I just this- know, like, Tiger, Tiger. Yes. And this one has that sing-songy tiger-tiger mm-hmm. aspect to it, which makes it even more creepy. The poem is called A Poison Tree. Yes. And they would only... Would you like f- to regale us? I would. But do you want me to read the whole thing? It's only four yeah. stanzas. Yeah. Okay. I'm so- I was hoping you would ask because I love this poem. <laughs> it's so creepy. Okay. A Poison Tree by William Blake. <laughs> Perfect. That's that's my poetry voice. Can can you Can you get the crow to call... all right here we go i was angry with my friend i told my wrath my wrath did end i was angry with my foe i told it not my wrath did grow and i watered it in fears night and morning with my tears and i sunned it with my smiles and with soft deceitful wiles and it grew both day and night till it bore an apple bright and my foe beheld it shine and he knew that it was mine. And into my garden stole, when the night had veiled the pole, in the morning glad I see my foe outstretched beneath the tree. Ooh. So basically, this like person shivers. 
grows a poisonous tree that bears poisonous fruit and his foe sees it and is like, haha, I'm going to eat his fruit. And then he's like, the next morning, the person's dead beneath the tree from this evil tree he grew with his hatred. It's so creepy and so I wish, good. I wish you could see my face right now. It's, it's like, oh such a good poem. It's very like Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, very. I just could not love this poem more. So Well, and I mean, it's a very, you know, I mean, the, the some symbology of it is like so creepy. <laughs> That's a word, right? Symbology? Symbolism? Symbolism. Symbolism I just of it would be choked better. on my coffee. <laughs> You just what? I just choked on my coffee. Over symbology. symbology. (laughs) (laughs) PhDs in symbology here. (laughs) That is is us. Um, The symbolism is is great and very creepy and very Edgar Allan Poe. But like it's, I mean, it's not wrong, you know, like talk about stuff, you know? I mean, that's basically, you know, work it out. Don't, don't like, you know, nestle all of your little grievances internally and just like, it will fester. On them, you know? Festers inside of you into poison. Poison My- apples. <laughs> wow, that, that, was a good, that was a good voice. You should put on your Thank witch you. suit. When you that <laughs> Not a problem, can do. <laughs> um, so my favorite part of that whole thing was like, I mean, the poem is super creepy. And then they, they tie that to what I find, I've always found to be a very interesting legal precedent, which is the fruit of a poison tree. I did not know about this. Did you? I'm guessing you did. I did. Now, <laughs> please don't mock me. And this extends to all of our listeners because I we would never. am not a lawyer. I probably do not need to say that. But <laughs> <clears throat> what I understand from law and order <laughs> and <laughs> criminal intent and the mentalist and 400 other, you know, one procedural you know, procedurals thinking those were those things. so it, i mean it basically means is like you know if you if you conduct a search or an interview or anything like that illegally then anything that you get from that illegal search is not admissible in court why that's such a weird name for that but law. It's, it's not though because it's the fruit of the poisonous tree so the fruit that comes from an illegal search is oh. also poisoned oh you can't touch it can't touch it that's right so anyway it's very interesting and they connected to that too and then you know it leads them down to all of these other clues very very uh treasure hunt style it does and you know something else that's interesting about toby's room is that the caretakers are real mad that these Mm. kids keep busting into it and they're like leave the past where the past lies for reasons that we discover is because this is actually their air. Mm-hmm. And they keep bricking it back up. They have to sledgehammer that wall down twice <laughs> because yeah. the caretaker is like, no, reseal it. And they're like, that's not going to stop us, bro. Um, so, oh, I loved it. And it kind of reminded me of like, I everything reminds me of Beauty and the Beast on this podcast, but, you know, the wings of his mansion where he doesn't want her to tread and she's unearthing. See, ah, I just loved it. <laughs> oh, you're right. That's a good point. I hadn't even thought about Beauty and never the Beast. Never go, never go to the North Wing, Beauty. Bell. I, you know, my question was, surely there is a hidden passageway that they could get into that wing without having to sledgehammer that wall down. You would think. <laughs> One would think. I'm like, I think I would be just like, you know jumping through the fireplace or something but yeah path of least resistance for sure (laughs) what do i know so um 
what else on the treasure hunt front? Anything well, worth mentioning? I think the only other thing I wanted to mention that I just thought was glorious is that they have to go back to the original will again. They're like, it's still weird that he gifted his daughter a compass and said something about True North. Mm-hmm. They realized that, oh, hey, one of the eight bazillion properties we own is a ski lodge in Denver called True North. Mm-hmm. So they go to this ski lodge in their private jet, which is so fun and interesting, and start sleuthing around the ski lodge. They find a photo of the family with a hidden letter behind it. Oh, it just getting to sleuth, follow clues to like another location and then have mm-hmm. to sleuth in that space that has yes. also been kind of sealed in time. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's like exactly what we've been talking about with like, you know, Nancy Drew and how nice it is when she's like, I don't know, on a cruise ship and, you know, gets to sleuth around. But but you're right, like True North was also sealed in time. Yes. And part of what I liked about this whole thing was that, I mean, first of all, you get to see all of these hijinks with the brothers because it transports them back to like a place where they were children and that had happy memories for them. So like getting to see like their little sibling dynamics and, you know, uh, what was it? The The drop. They do this game on the ski slopes called the drop where two of the brothers will go on the ski lift and Uh the challenger gets to yell drop whenever they get to (laughs) a certain height and the other one has to jump. And if they don't, then the other one, like, it's so dangerous. (laughs) It's so dangerous. But I mean, we didn't do stuff like that. No, no, we did not. You just, our our games were much more passive aggressive. (laughs) You were like, Karen, go tell mom that, (laughs) <laughs> you want to go to Olive Garden for dinner. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. And she's going to get mad. And you're like, just do it. Do it anyway or else. <laughs> and and in your in in your defense, like, or in my defense, maybe, I don't know. That worked for a very short amount of time. Yeah, like, I was like, or I could I just tried not. It for forever. <laughs> I mean, I think I tried that up until, like, you know, the last time we were all together, like, two Christmases ago. I think I was trying that. And you were like, mm, that's not going to work anymore. Is, there's nothing um, in this for me. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I, I, I wore that trick out real early on. Uh <laughs> But but the other thing I liked about that was that, number one, we learned that Sky and Zara were involved with this gameplay with their father, too. Yes. And they fully were aware that he had left a game for them in this will. Like that, right. They didn't just, like, miss that. They, they fully got it that these were clues, and they both went, not going to play. I'm good. No, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah, like Zara specifically said, oh, absolutely, I knew this was a thing. I have opted out. I had to deal with this puzzle baloney my entire life. Right. I'm not, I am no longer interested. Best of luck. I hope you solve it. I'm out. Well, and so all of that makes me ask then, and maybe this is, you know, part of the unanswered questions thing that needs to be answered in three but like i'm just curious your opinion the other poem that toby leaves he leaves like the william blake poem is there but then also he leaves this poem about the tree that poisoned s and z and me yeah the tree the tree was poisoned can't you see it poisoned s and z and me so sky and zara and me and so i'm 
you know, and then, oh, 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 one of the things that the, that the, that Sky and Zara's clues lead to is this letter from their father basically saying, I, I disinherited you because I love you. I don't want, like, the mistakes of my past to cloud your future. Yep. So my question is, do we know yet? Do we think we know yet what it was that quote unquote poisoned S and Z and me? Or is that still to come? I think, so two things. I think young Tobias, I think his poem is just generally like growing up with all of this wealth and privilege Mm -hmm. led us down a really dark path. Like the way that we grew up was not healthy. Yeah. However, I think that old Tobias and his letter talking about basically like blood money, essentially, I think that he was definitely involved in some shady dealings Mm -hmm. that we don't know about yet. And I'm hopeful that that's one of the things the author is talking about in book three that will be revealed. Because it seems to me that these billions of dollars he is in control of were perhaps Mm -hmm. not legally obtained. Yeah. I'm wondering, yeah, I'm wondering if that all ties in, I'm sure it does, ties in in part to why he left it to somebody that he had to have known was not Toby's biological daughter. Yes. Um, So it's like, did the inheritance need to go out of the family in order to protect it? And he thought she would be the safest one because she was, you know, I don't know. She's totally ignorant to, like, any of the goings on. Yeah. Right. Don't know. Hmm. Unclear. Um, okay, so we have to talk, if I if I may change the subject to one of yes. my favorite things. All right, we've got to talk about this love triangle. Because yes, please. Because I'm sorry, we, we need to take sides. Okay. Um, so we have, and, and this was going on in the first book too, we had the Grayson, Jameson, Avery love triangle. And I, before I reveal my feelings on it, I would like to know, are you team Grayson or team Jameson and why? And please defend your answer. Okay. Done. Can do. Grayson. I am team Grayson. Say more. I love Grayson. I love Grayson. (laughs) Why do you love Grayson? And why is Grayson the right choice for Avery? I think that Grayson is, he kind of has that Christian Grey, like, oh, he totally does, vibe going on. I do not think that's an accident either. I don't either. Grayson, yeah, 100%. I I just don't. He's very suave. He's very debonair. He also, I truly think, has a heart of gold. He, the thing he's most passionate about is running, like, the charity aspect. The, uh, what's the word for it? The nonprofit. The nonprofit that they control and like how all of those funds are distributed. So I think he's a good person. He's like, I don't want this money for me. I as as long as I can still run the nonprofit and make sure that we're continuing to do good things with our money. That is what I care about. Um, mm-hmm. He is very removed. He's a bit cold and chilly, but he clearly loves Avery. Um, I think that he. He's a very different personality type than Jameson in that Jameson is like, I'm going to go get what I want, a.k.a. Avery. Grayson is a little more reticent with his feelings, which I find mm-hmm. enigmatic and intriguing. I also think that Grayson has staying power. I think he's more solid in his thoughts and beliefs and opinions. And Jameson feels a little flighty to me. And I'm like, you, yes, you're in love with our girl Avery today. Hmm. But what's going to happen in a month? What's going to happen in six months? I just don't know. He's he's just a little bit 
tempestuous for my liking. Okay. I am not challenging you because I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I disagree with it a little bit, but I, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not trying to put you on. I am trying to put you on the spot. Why can you explain to me though? I genuinely don't know the answer to this. When, so she and Grayson are the ones that go out to talk to Jackson and he is with her when this explosion prior to getting on the jet happens and she's like critically injured and the last thing she remembers and then this is referenced again in a conversation she overhears happening like while she's in a coma essentially is that he didn't like run to help her yes i can answer that question here's my theory all right i think he is severely traumatized by what happened with Emily, Emily. who died. Mm-hmm. And I think he had a, I think he panicked. Also, that is a very panic-inducing situation. Like, the plane sure. you're about to get on explodes. I think he panicked, and I think he went into, like, a moment of PTSD. Like, I can't believe this is happening again. Fair I've point. loved two women in my entire life. I can't believe, I can't, and this is my fault, like, he very much assigns guilt and blame to himself. Like, I'm the reason she flew out here. What am mm-hmm. I, like, oh my gosh, have I killed another woman that I love? I think he oh, had a, I think he had a trauma response. I really do. You should be like PR for Grayson Hawthorne. <laughs> Happy mm. to do should it. Be, should be writing his Tinder profile. Um, Happy to help. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm coming around to your way of thinking, but I'm I'm totally team Jameson. <gasps> Shut the front door. And, that shocks and, me. And this is a change for me. I was team Grayson end of last book for sure. <gasps> you were? What mm-hmm. swayed you? Well, I will tell you, sister. Okay. My reasons are thrice. <laughs> I'll make three up. I just wanted to say thrice. Um, first of all, he... He acknowledges in this book that, like, at one point she might have been, like, a conquest for him or, like, part of the game to be played. And then she senses a change in him about halfway or two-thirds of the way through the book where all of a sudden he is not playing this game the same way anymore. Mm. And she can't figure out why and, like, why he's not more invested in, like, the outcome of these clues and da-da-da-da-da. And after she has her accident, he comes to her in the hospital and basically says, you are not a pawn in this game to me. You used to be. You're not anymore. I genuinely care about you. And if you pick me, I'm all in. And he leaves it at that. Like, I mean, number one, it was like he he I, I feel like he went through a change. Like he went from like wanting her slash chasing her like enjoying the chase and like this competition with his brother which is very weird but like yeah um to actually loving her that's true number two it was like highly consensual like yes yeah (laughs) you know yeah um but he also is willing to admit that he has feelings for her whereas grayson is like we're just friends and we all know that's not true. And whatever his reasons are, whether they're noble or not, it's a it's a little bit gaslighty. And I don't love that. I don't disagree. 
I didn't so love that. We both have good points. I think we, I think we both have good points. Oh, here's how I will tie this up in a nice little bow. Are you ready? Mm, I'm ready. My favorite up. thing about both of them in this scenario is that. Do you remember when they are speaking Latin around oh, Avery? It's my favorite part. I nearly died, and she, oh. of course, immediately googles it and translates it. But I think Grayson says to, they have this exchange in Latin, mm-hmm. and they're essentially like, "Listen." Yes, we are both in love with this person. She is one of us, and we protect her. The end. Mm. And I, oh, that was so romantical. Like, these two handsome brothers are like, we'll protect you. I know that doesn't sound very feminist of me, but I was like, oh, I love it. (laughs) it, It's, but I, I... I took that moment even to be more than just, we're in love with her, and so we'll protect her. It was more than that. Like... It, that was a like this agreement with all of the brothers. That yes. She's one of us. She is, she may not be our blood sister or our blood relative and like two Thank of us are trying to do God. it. So God help us. <laughs> That's, that would be problematic. But, you know, like for all intents and purposes, she is a Hawthorne because she's been pulled into this nonsense and we will protect her. And I felt it to be much more familial. Um... Agreed. Or do you know what I mean? Like, yes. it it, di- it didn't feel patriarchal to me. It felt like the same way that you would want to protect a sibling or a parent or they're part your of your best friend, your clan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. totally. Um, so, yeah, I loved that moment, and and I feel like maybe that's why I like this book more is because is maybe it was you know you can say whatever you want about things being interesting or like good writing or whatever in the first book where, you know, she had nothing but obstacles. And one of the obstacles was this family hates her. Yes. They're all messing with her. Yeah. And like it made, you know, you know, watching her overcome that and like get to this place was all good. You know, of course she would have to go through that, but like watching them finally get to this point where, they accept her into their their clan is amazing and so much more fun when they're all on the same team yes agreed completely agreed oh speaking of teams i have one more thing to say and then we should talk about more favorite parts but speaking of love Uh uh avery's best friend maxine oh yes moves into the house temporarily Mm -hmm. And she and Xander, the youngest mm-hmm. brother, have struck up quite a little relationship that is I, so um, cute. <laughs> I am shipping them so hard. <laughs> yes. Like, when he builds her life-size, like, Star Wars robots. Yes, he basically builds her C-3PO and R2-D2 that work. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, happy birthday. It's her dream. Her dream comes true. They are it's, so cute. Yeah. It's adorable. They've got like great um, little little sarcastic banter. Oh, it's a match Karen, made in it heaven. Is so faxing cute. I can't even stand it. <laughs> it is. I love Maxine. I love Xander. Xander is my favorite of all four of the brothers. No he question. Is? I love Xander. I think he is so cute, and I can't wait for him to have his day to shine. I love Xander. <laughs> I can't wait to find out. Well, I mean, one of the things that I liked was that we start finding out. Um, who the who the four brothers fathers are yes and so we kind of are figuring out that each one of their first names is 
their father's last name. Mm-hmm. So Grayson, Sheffield Grayson is his father. Um, we find out that Jake Nash, I think his first name is Jake, is Nash's father. He was like the ski instructor at True North. But we haven't found out yet who Jameson and, Alexand- and Xander's fathers are. So that will be very interesting to a find final, out book a f- three. I'm final sure reveal. That will be dramatic as well. It will. And I think like Jameson will have a meltdown and there'll be a reckoning that will put their relationship into question. Oh, it's going to be great. I do have a question for you. Okay. I need I need theories. Why do you think Tobias Hawthorne left this game to Xander? I don't know. I don't I don't know. The the at the end of the book, Xander sheds a little bit of light on this and he says I yeah, like this game was bestowed on me. I continue to not be the one to actually solve it. However, he, he says something like, Grayson and Jameson are the type of people that go from point A to point B. Like, I will solve this at any cost. And he's like, I go from point A to one million times purple equals triangle. Yes. <laughs> His brain just works in this very different way. And so correct, he is not solving like the core mysteries or the core puzzles. But he is unearthing all of these side quests and mm. like he's now built this whole kind of serial killery room to try to pinpoint who his father is. And like, I think he, his strange way of thinking is actually solving more. There's more than meets the eye to the mm-hmm. the core mystery. And I think mm-hmm. Tobias perhaps knew that and was like. It, he, As we said in the last yes. episode, Xander loves to make Rube Goldberg machines, which yeah. are incredibly intricate machines that do very simple things and i think he has an incredibly intricate way of thinking Mm -hmm. and and tobias is basically starting xander the human rube goldberg machine yes like put the little marble in the chute Mm -hmm. and here we go your brothers will do the straightforward work it may not be easy but it's straightforward yeah. You're going to do the circuitous work, and that's just as important, and we don't know what that is yet. We don't know. Um, that's, mm. my, that's my theory. Any, mm. other, any other favorite moms that you want to discuss? I think I would be remiss, we would be remiss, if we did not talk about the Toby-Hannah romance backstory mm. situation. We should talk about that. Because... Dear Diary. (laughs) I was like, I had actual tears coming down my cheeks. Like, that was the sweetest thing I've ever read in my whole life. It is very sweet. It is. It was like Jane Eyre, which you don't know anything about because you don't like the Bronze like a monster. I know about it. I know what happens in it. I just don't like it. it? I never read it. The cliff notes. This is all I needed. (laughs) Karen. I did, however, read a book. Oh, now I can't remember the title. This is a terrible story. But there was a, I think Paula Hawkins, no, a a famous mystery Mm. thriller writer Mm -hmm. wrote a modern day Jane Eyre thriller Mm. that I read this year, I think. Well, I would really enjoy the name of that book. If you you. stand by and edit out some lag time in this, let me look at my, my little app here and I can tell you what it's called. Okie dokie. 
looking. I'm looking. This it's is not my... like it's not like Jane Eyre fights zombies, is it? No, I wouldn't have read that. <laughs> I didn't think so. But... <laughs> Just checking. It was pretty good. I really liked it, and I even as a a Bronte Jane... hater. Yes, as a Bronte hater, a Brontosaurus. I, uh, really enjoyed it and knew what it was referring to. Oh, what is it called? Hang on. I, Karen, you probably don't know this. Maybe you do. But, like, I, we had to read that book my freshman year in high school. And I, I was like, this is the, my heart will never, never feel this much emotion again in my life. Like, oh. I, oh, to the point where I literally would light candles in my bedroom and turn off the lights and read that book by candlelight. That's so cute. I, I was like, I, I need to read this the correct way. Oh, I found it. It's called The Wife Upstairs by Rachel Hawkins. Mm. You're going to love it. I already love it. I'm so You're, down. The you should get upstairs. it. All you right. can definitely get it from the, the Biblioteca. The Biblioteca. Very that's, good. That's the library. It's right down the street from the <laughs> discotheca. <laughs> I hope so. All right. I took us again on a winding garden path. But yes, Toby and Avery's mom, Hannah, fall in love despite the odds being stacked against them. Mm. Passionate, mm-hmm. brief romance as she nurses him back to health. I mean, and this is like a real like Romeo and Juliet situation. Like he is from... This, you know, obviously the Hawthorns, we know all about them, incredibly wealthy kings, you know. And Hannah is, like, from the family of, like, thugs. They're, like, the drug dealers of this island. They're, they're like, if you want a hit put out on somebody, that's These are your you call. Like, it's like the family in Ozark. Yes. That's who I was picturing the whole time. Yes. So, I mean, this is, like, a real... Romeo and Juliet kind of match up. Yes. Anyway, go on. I interrupted you. No, you didn't interrupt me. I'm just agreeing. I I love that they fell in love and it was not to be because he felt such guilt. Like essentially he is responsible for the death of Hannah's sister. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I can't live with myself. I have to go. He's sending her love. Uh, I love a love letter. Actual snail mail was sent. <laughs> Postcards. Perfection. <laughs> so much invisible ink. <laughs> Where are these people getting all of this invisible ink? They have so much of it all so on hand. Ink. Uh, I, you know, I, I loved all of that. I love that she had this stack of love letters that her, I mean, it was like her mother's treasured possession that she's been carrying around for so long and just had no idea that it was this link. And I also love that we find out that Toby named her. Yes, he did. Yeah, which is, so he basically gave her the anagram name, right? So her last name was going to be Grams after, theoretically, her actual biological father, Ricky. The worst. The worst. We got to talk about that in a minute. And um, then her mother had picked out her middle name, which was Kylie, in, in, you know, honor of her sister, Kaylee, who had died in that explosion. Yep. Um. And then Ricky had picked out the first name Natasha. No. Which 
you know, Hannah hated. So then Toby happens to show up, which I have so many follow-up questions about this for the third book, but like Toby, she hasn't seen Toby in years and years and years. And then he happens to show up the night that she goes into labor in the middle of this big storm and she can't make it to a hospital or an ambulance can't get to her or whatever. So he ends up delivering this baby and she kind of lets him name her. And so he picks Avery so that it's an it's an anagram that's the right word right an anagram yes. for a very for a, a risky gamble yep uh, oh and so, that and that's yeah. how old tobias knows yes. it's a clue to him that his son young toby is alive and involved in this child's life because old tobias immediately recognizes it as an anagram mm-hmm. and goes hmm this seems hmm. familiar there's there's something to be thought of here <laughs> So my questions on this are one of one of the biggest disappointments in this book. And I uh, part of me doesn't believe it yet. Like, I know what you're going to say, and I completely agree. (laughs) Yeah. Like you have this brief moment of hope that Toby is Avery's father. I know. And I was so happy. I was so happy. I was so happy because, first of all, that would make total sense. Mm-hmm. Like that would actually then make all of this make sense. That yes. she had been picked, that blah, blah, all of it. It would make sense. Um, he's And he was adopted, so that's why there's no DNA match to the Hawthorne brothers. Again, thank God. <laughs> but like, so that seems like a very, I was like, okay, he was adopted so then that makes it okay for her to still date these these guys, right? Like, <laughs> we're cool. Um, but then, you know, she gets through this explosion situation. And, like, the first thing her, Elisa, her attorney tells her is, like, oh, by the by, we did a quick DNA test while you were out. Like, if everybody's not singing Lizzo, I don't know how to help you. <laughs> um, and guess what? Bad news. Ricky is your dad. Broke Toby my heart. Is not your father. I was like, no. That broke my heart because she also then would have had like a living family. Like she would have right. been related to the Laughlins and could That's have right. gotten to know them. And oh, it just was snatched away from her. So I have a theory though. Okay. My theory, because when she eventually does meet Toby at the end of this book I would yes. say for the first time but it's not for the first time like she's known him as Harry for for a while but like when she meets him as himself he kind of confirms this right that like she is not his child um you know he hadn't seen Hannah in years and years and years and it was just coincidence that he happened to be there the night of her birth I'm not buying it I'm just I'm simply not buying it I feel um, the same way. I refuse to believe that there's not more to the story. I agree. I think I think when Toby realized that, like, his cover was kind of blown, that it was out, that he was still alive and in hiding, he somehow got to Elisa, knowing that as his family's attorney, she still had attorney-client privilege with him and made her promise to tell Avery that Ricky was her father. Um, mm, that's good. I, I, I think, I think she is his daughter, because I think this coincidence that he would just happen to show up the night she was born, yeah, and that Tobias would just 
continue to be interested in this child that I just don't buy it at all. Um, so I think Toby has been doing this to try to keep her safe. I, maybe there's more reason than that. I don't know. But I, I do think she's his daughter. I really hope so. I really like your theory. And I really hope so. Oh, also, one more favorite thing that's related to this. Yes. Part of why this whole thing was heartbreaking is that, well, so when she believes that Toby is her father, Libby, her her half-sister, who is yes. the oh. best goes does that mean we're not actually sisters then and my heart broke broke into a million pieces because mm-hmm. libby is the best the i love i love their relationship i love she's just like a little kind-hearted little goth and i just love her she is and she also like for avery briefly changes her gothy appearance to be like a, a, a normal person she dyes her hair brown and is wearing like khakis and like a twin a twin set is that what it's called <laughs> mm, sure cardigan yeah car- yeah you know like it's like a cardigan with like a polo kind of i don't know it's mm, not mm. good it's not a very, her... a very nancy drew on the tennis courts vibe yes not libby's look and not libby's aesthetic she's like i would do this for you though because i'm too i'm drawing too much attention and i want to keep you safe they just love each other so much and i love libby mm. I'm like crying. I love Libby. I love Libby and I love, oh God, the thing that broke my heart in this book is that story that she tells. So, so theoretically, like they're just for backstory here, Libby and Avery, in theory, share a father. They're both daughters of Ricky, but they have different mothers. So Libby tells this whole story of how her mother took her to Hannah's to, to spend Anna the night Avery for like a couple of days and she, it was like the best three days or how many ever days like of her life she yep. thinks back on that with such fond memories she you know like Avery was still like real little she was a toddler but like Hannah was so sweet to Libby and you know they did all this fun stuff and she specifically remembers that like she um got those I remember them from when we were kids like those those barrettes like those little banana clips that had you know like rainbow synthetic, colorful hair attached yep. to them that you could clip into your hair and she remembers that and it's like avery has this realization of like that's why she loves colorful hair that's why she always dyes her hair and because that's she's con she's been trying to like recreate the like the happiest week of her life since then and wasn't it her, it was her birthday that week too when her mom like ditched her. And so Hannah and Avery have like a birthday party for her. Oh, it's so sad and sweet. I know. Anyway, Libby, highlight of the book. Yeah, love her. Really, really hoping that we don't ever have any reason to think that Nash is a shady character because all I want in life is for Libby and Nash to wind up together. Yes, and they could have little kids that are like a goth country mashup, which little is... Little goth country artists! I mean, like, oh. the gothic cowboy look is very good. I don't know if you've ever... If, if you yeah. haven't seen this, Google it. It's fantastic. <laughs> Go- like, hashtag gothic cowboy? Probably, yeah. It's great. I'm gonna look it up right now. There's a lot of... It's a great music around that scene. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also... Can I just say one more thing on this whole... I, I don't think that Ricky is her father. Please do. Help I me. I simply cannot fathom 
a world in which Hannah, who has this beautiful, perfect love, love that she has never abandoned and never forgotten about, why she would be with somebody like Ricky, even if it were for like six months. I bet he it is involved. No sense. He's involved in the shady Ozark drug dealing business. And oh. I bet there's, you know, I bet there's something mm. like that. That like, like he found her. Yes. And there's like a blackmail scenario or something. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I do not think he is Avery's father. I really hope not, Kelly. I really hope not. Mm. Well, Karen, before we move on to burning questions, do you have any more favorite things to discuss? No, I think that was most of my favorite things. I mean, I'll think of one like three seconds after we get off the podcast. And I think we've actually talked about a bunch of our burning questions. We have. Which do we have Um, remaining? Let's see. Okay, here's one. Will Eve, the like Toby's for sure biological daughter oh. that we find out, will she ever show up? Will she become an issue? Will she challenge the inheritance? Yes. Will she become like another buddy? Will the Hawthorne brothers be vowing to protect her as well? I think she is going to become a player in the game for sure. Uh-huh. I would be shocked if, because the author said new players. I think new that players. Eve is going to pop up out of the woodwork. And I think, I don't know, I feel like maybe if Eve is not nefarious, I bet her mother will be nefarious or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's going to be, that. that is not over. No, there's going to be drama. Mm-hmm. There is going to be substantial drama. Yeah. We got okay. billions, billions on the line here. Like, people get nuts. No joke. Okay, you, you get a burning question now. Your turn. Okay, here's a question. Mm-hmm. It's a, we kind of have the answer to this, but not really. So Ricky, her quote-unquote dad, and Skye are currently rotting away in jail for trying to blow up her airplane. Yes. <laughs> Which we now know they did not do. Yeah. Still, and, I mean, throw away the key. I feel no sympathy. I, I don't either. But it, And Avery says that to her security guard at the end, Orin. She's like, hey, we know that they didn't do this. They're in prison. Like, should we... <laughs> <laughs> Should we maybe say something? Let them out. <laughs> and and Oren kind of goes, eh. <laughs> <laughs> let them stew on it a few days. So like, are they? They're gonna get out, right? They have to get out of jail. I think so. I think so too. I think so. the The challenging thing though there is going to be in order for them to get out of jail. The true criminal is going to have to be revealed. And the true criminal is dead. And they don't want people to know he's dead because there's been a murder, kind of. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Melly kind of killed him in the context of finding the lost Hawthorne heir and kidnapping Avery. So, like, there's a lot of moving pieces here. It's not Um, good. (laughs) uh, Most of which are not great. But on top of that, I mean... Oh, poor Grayson. Like, oh, I know his, his Grayson has a rough path ahead of him. With Grayson what he's did not learned. win the parent lottery for sure. No, his dad was real mean. Oh, I have one other question. Yes. Speaking of which, and I can't believe this wasn't my first question. I would like your theory now that we have discussed that we are both on different teams. I'm on Team Grayson, and you're on Team Jameson. What do you think will happen with the love triangle? 
Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that Grayson is going to suddenly, like, try to win her from Jameson. Like, I think he sat this one out on purpose. Or, or like, laid back on purpose to see who she would pick. Because, like, I keep thinking that they have done this before. This is exactly what they did with Emily, right? They were basically both dating Emily. And then yes. tragedy ensued. So I do think that's why Jameson was like, you have to make the decision. You come to me and tell me what it is. And I think that's why Grayson pulled back. Because I think they're both trying to not date the same girl again uh, for a number of reasons. So, <laughs> which I'm like, in general, a, a good call, I would say. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think she might change her mind. And I can see Jameson doing something to lose her trust. Something stupid. I agree. Yeah. Um. I could also easily see her ending up with neither of them. That and is my theory. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's like, or actually, no. That's my secondary theory. My first theory, Kelly, mm-hmm. one of those two brothers is going to die. <gasps> what? Yes, that is, I think one of them has to die. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just... I, I, I think it's going to be Grayson too, which breaks my heart why? to say. Why? 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 Why do you think one of them is going to die? There has to be finality, or no, this will doesn't. never end. No, <laughs> she'll always doesn't. wonder. It'll be like in Hamilton with the Schuyler sisters. She'll always wonder. Karen, that she... was a real story. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, she'll always be left with a question if she chose the right brother. It will result in affairs extramarital affair i don't know man i think a brother's gonna die oh i hope you're so wrong i I mean the the other thing that could happen and i know i'm there's like a an example on the tip of my brain and i cannot pluck it this is no surprise um oh if it could go like twilight okay where all of a sudden like jacob imprints on a baby which (laughs) she has a child that grayson falls in love with i don't i mean i don't think it's gonna be like you know a one-for-one comparison here but yeah i mean it could you you never know woof exactly what jacob said karen Uh. (laughs) well i'm like how did how did the hunger games end because she ends up with Peta. Yeah, who was the other one she was into? Oh, that dude. The the hot guy. Mm. The, he was like the archer, and he, he works at the Capitol. Does he I die? he got some big... Uh, did he die? I don't think he died. He just, like, is out of the scene, yeah. militarying around. And it just felt very unsatisfying, because she'll always wonder. And I, yeah, I don't I know, man. I remember what happened with him. I can't even remember his name. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Man, Karen, I you could very easily be right, and I hope you're wrong. It that seems would break my heart. It seems like a big moment that would happen in a third book of a trilogy that like a core character gets whacked. I don't know, man. It. I mean, you gotta you gotta kill your 
Grace darlings. Says, yes. <laughs> I love thank Grayson. You, thank you for helping me. <laughs> he would be like a really sexy ghost, though. So maybe that's the. He's already all gray. Like every time they describe him, he's just like his silver eyes. He's got gray eyes that match his gray suit, that matches gray teeth and his gray hair. He's just like mm. very gray personality, <laughs> very gray son. Um, and Jameson is just like a pirate, you know. Yar, drinking rum. Um, <laughs> love this Jameson rum. Sorry, um, my theory took us down a dark path, but no, that I I'm. Hey, you know what? You got to throw those theories out there. Uh, like, not to completely deviate from this, but I will tell you, having read uh, Truly Devious 2, The yes. Vanishing Stare, mm-hmm. I kind of want to go back and listen to our conversation because I think I got pretty close on a few things. <gasps> I believe it. You are the sleuthiest. I, you I are pretty close. You are a senior sleuth for sure. I don't know about that. I mean, I'm doing it all from the comfort of my basement with a white claw in my fist, but whatever. The best way to do it. (laughs) (laughs) With zero danger. (laughs) Um, I have one final question for you. Okay. And I would like your speculation on this as well. Mm, I'm ready. I have my speculation glasses on. (laughs) Wow. Your speculation spectacles? Nailed it. You knew what I was saying. You got it. I did. I got there. Um, What is the small disc with uh, like concentric punched holes in it. No idea. left with Jackson that is very valuable. We have no idea. I have no idea. I have no theories. I can't even begin to guess. Do you have a theory? I The only thing I can imagine is that it's either something that you somehow put a light source behind and Ooh. when the light shines through the holes, it, I don't know if it gives you a code, if it gives you... A map, if it gives, I don't know, if it correlates with something on the will, I don't know. Or I think it could be kind of similarly, um, like like a record or something, you know, like it, oh. it could be something that plays or something that has data stored on it somehow. I like that. I kind of, it kind of made me feel like Nancy Drew PC games where it's like a piece of machinery that's missing. Oh, Okay. Like a like cog. A yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, like, put it into this larger thing and it unlocks... All right. Something. So something, some part of potentially, I don't know, a Rube <gasps> Goldberg machine? Yes, that's it. It's mechanical. And that's where Xander is going to get his mom. He's going to come in and be like, this is what I was built for. <laughs> his mom. Do we think that Xander and Max are now going to be a team? Like, he's been wanting a team for so long, and his team sucks, and they keep abandoning him. His team is the worst, yes. And I want them to be a team. He picks terrible teammates. Maybe it's Xander, Max, and the three lifelike droids that he built. <laughs> he's like, C-3PO, deploy! Yeah, he's like, listen, my brothers suck. I'll build my own team. I will build L- literally. my own team. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love it so much. Um, well, shall we move on to our rating system? Let's do it. All right. So, Karen, this week we are rating the Hawthorne Legacy out of a 12 possible private jets. Oh, my favorite. I love and a dangerous aircraft. <laughs> <laughs> I love an exploding private jet. Um I was very much on the fence between two different metrics, and I just feel like I should share them. I, it was almost hot tubs. Oh, also a fantastic choice. But instead, we're going to go with exploding private jets. Let's or be just, real. Just private jets, because I don't want to have to, like, you know. 
I put have little fuses on all of them in my graphics <laughs> in your... Instagram. And they're billionaires. The, there is a possibility there's a hot tub on the private jet. Ooh. Which sounds now you're thinking. awesome. And I would like that sounds, plane. It sounds very Russian. <laughs> yeah, yes. I feel like in a Bond movie, yeah, so that would my... be on the Russian's jet. Yeah. I'd be on that plane. I love it. Yeah. Everybody's like wearing earmuffs. <laughs> I can picture it so well. <laughs> it's like the back of a tour bus, but a jet. Um, Real fancy. So uh, your rating, my dear. I will rate this book, The Hawthorne Legacy, 10 out of 12 possible private jets. A very reasonable rating. Why, thank you. And my here is why. Love triangles are my favorite. We know that. I still adore the brothers. I especially adore Xander. Um, I'm obsessed with Libby and Avery. I d- so, okay, long story short, the characters in this book are so good. And the characters yes. are what makes the book for me. Um, I didn't give it a 12 because I was a little whelmed by some of the twistiness. It just, there was a little too much sometimes. But... All not over, all. not under, just flat out whelmed. I, you can just be whelmed, as they ask yes. in Clueless. It can happen. <laughs> um, but all in all, absolutely fantastic, and I cannot wait for book three. Uh, Perfect. Kelly, what is your rating? I'm giving it 11 out of 12. All right, tell me more. I know this might be an unpopular rating, but like, I actually think I may have liked it better than the first one. Oh, I can see that. Okay, okay. Um, I... I love her, like, the familial relationship with the brothers. Um, I love that, I mean, this, I love the treasure hunt component of it. You know, like, the first one, there was a whole, like, and understandably, there was a lot of setup to this situation and who Avery is and her backstory and the will and the da-da-da-da. This one, we just got right to it, you know? And there was a lot of treasure hunting. There was a lot of clue finding. There was a lot of piecing it together. And because she was working with the guys this time, there was, I don't know. I love that like Libby and Nash went off to investigate for them, and you know they were go kind of going off on their own, and but all coming back together. I loved it. Um, love the danger, love the threats, love the treasure hunt, love the love triangle. Like, just when you're about to get like the tiniest bit bored with something, all of a sudden they're making out in a hot tub. True that. Just saying. So yeah, eleven out of twelve. Great. So ten point five private jets. <laughs> A very <laughs> reasonable rating. Um, so reading list. Let's talk about what happens from here. So we are very, very excited. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> if I may speak on behalf of us both about what's coming up, uh, particularly with our next super sleuth special. Uh, Kelly, would you mm-hmm. like to tell us more about the reading list? Sure. So this is reading list number seven, if you can oh, believe it. Wow. I know. Crazy. Um, so per usual, we're going to get back to Nancy Drew after this. So our next three books will be Nancy Drew's in order. Um, next up will be Nancy Drew in the Quest of the Missing Map, followed by The Clue in the Jewel Box and The Secret in the Old Attic. Um, also, because I don't think we've ever actually specifically said this before, we are reading the flashlight editions of these books. Mm, so Good call. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think we fully realized up until like a couple episodes ago just how different like the original edition and the revised edition are in a lot of these cases. But yep. 
Yeah, suffice it to say, we are reading the newer edition of these books, um, which are the ones that, I mean, I think were more readily available, like when I was a kid in the 80s, um, which are like those hardcover, shiny yellow books with the flashlight on the top in the, anyway, whatever. Yeah. Um, so Nancy Drew, we're doing three Nancy Drews, just like usual. In order, I just gave them to you and we'll post on Instagram too. So Karen. Super now sleuth. The piece de resistance. The super sleuth special. Okay, brace yourselves. Next so up is a book called Teen Killers Club. It is by Lily Sparks. We cannot wait to read this book. And guess what? Guess what, what Karen? Karen? We are yes, going Karen. to do a special episode with the author. <laughs> Lily Sparks is going to be our first ever guest on the show. Oh and so we get to talk to her about writing Teen Killers Club. Uh, she also loves all things sleuthy, so we'll be digging into that. And we'll also be happy to ask her any questions that you all have. Um, she has also very kindly sent us a signed copy of the book that we will give away to one of you, our listeners, and you could win this in advance of the episode to read along with us. Yes. So in full transparency, Lily also sent us copies of this book. She did. Um, this is a somewhat new book, um, and... We haven't read it yet, but it looks amazing. And I'll just say, I have it sitting here right by my little microphone. And the cover is all pink. It's so cool. It's so cool. I don't know. Like, it's giving me real, like, Buffy meets Twilight meets, like... Night of the Living Dead or... Maybe a little, like... Halloween vibes. I know what you did last summer. Yes. Oh, God, I cannot wait for this book. I want to read it. I know. Now. I'm, oh, well, I can't wait. I mean, so anyway, um, guys, check this out if you're interested in reading with us. I am super jazzed. Uh, Karen, I think you are, too. I'm yes, sure you are. Like deeply. It's just, it's so cool to, like, I feel like we've got this little this little community, and I'm so excited we can help support, like, one of us who happens to be an amazing published author yes yes um yeah. we love you lily we love you already and we can't wait lily, to have you on the get podcast on with your bad self yeah i can't <laughs> wait to talk to you like first question just so you can prepare like so how did you write a book like just how does one do general. that <laughs> <laughs> say words <laughs> and oh so Long story short, in terms of winning the signed copy, we will be posting all about this on Instagram. Uh, follow us at It's a Clue Podcast, and yeah, more more to come. We will more give to you come. we will give you the scoop. And you know, as always, please, if you would be so kind to rate, review, and subscribe. Um, and Karen, did we have any takeaways today from the Hawthorne Legacy? Oh, I did. I for sure did. Which the more the moral of the story from this book. Uh, sometimes it is best to keep your hunches to yourself while you are mid-sleuthing. Otherwise, everybody gets their feelings hurt and your private jet gets blown up. The end. <laughs> I think that's just good advice in life. Indeed. Don't don't share your hunches too soon. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, don't cry out loud. Just keep them inside. <laughs> and with that, happy, happy sleuthing! sleuthing. <laughs> It's a Clue is hosted by Kelly Biscopink and Karen Farmer. Our logo is designed by Courtney Kyle. 
You can find her on social media at I am Courtney Kyle. The It's a Clue theme song was written and recorded by Danny W. You can find her on Facebook at Danny W Music. Audio engineering is graciously done by our friend Mark Goodlow. It-